Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. Uh, If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to continue the series we began last week about going for the one. Um, this, is not a, this is not an event. This is a way of life for us as people of God that we've been touched by the grace of God. And so now we're called and compelled by the same love to go for the one. Can you say amen? Uh, Luke chapter 15. This is probably going to be the longest reading we will ever do in church. Um, and this is probably the longest reading you will ever do all week. So Luke chapter 15. We're going to read... A very, very, very famous story in the Bible, if you're familiar with the Bible. If you've never been familiar with the Bible, you've heard the story of the prodigal son. Have you heard the story of the prodigal son? Have you heard people talk about the prodigal son? Um, I guarantee you most people don't fully understand what the story is about. And thankfully, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about the story because it's so loaded that it's going to take more than one week to unpack. And so if you have your Bible, this is a long read. I hope you can bear with me. I hope you don't fall asleep. I hope, uh, I hope uh, your heart is here with us. Are you there? Luke 15 verse 11 says, to illustrate the point further. In other words, Jesus is already making a point. Remember, the, he told the story of the, of the one lost sheep. And then he told the story of the, of the woman who flipped the house upside down to find a coin that she was, she was missing. And now he's telling the story. Again, the goal is he's trying to make a point about the love of God, this reckless love of God that we talked about last week. So Jesus told him the story. A man had two sons. If you're taking notes, highlight that already. Two sons. It's not just one son. It's two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your state now before you die. That's very disrespectful. Uh, so his father agreed to, the f- to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money, knucklehead, in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and, began, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, highlight that, he said to himself, At home, even the higher servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a higher servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, scene two, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. 
And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are turning up, we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother turned up too. No, he didn't. Watch. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet even this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Whoa. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Three stories to illustrate the reckless love of God. A shepherd goes after a lost sheep. A woman searches the house for a lost coin. And here we have a story of two sons. It's a loaded, loaded story. We, we have to spend a few weeks on this. And I thought since today is Mother's Day weekend, we should start by talking about the father. <laughs> because... Because God is father and mother. I hope you understand that. Um, This story could have really been about the mom. But it happens to be about the dad. But God is both. Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to focus on the father first. And then next week I want to talk about the younger brother. And I want to title that one, Young and Reckless. Not in a good way. And then the week after that I want to talk about the older brother. I want to call that one, Older and Colder. Because remember, Jesus is trying to illustrate that the love of God is for the irreligious, but it's also for the religious. Jesus was not taking sides. Jesus was trying to bring everyone to the table. Can you say amen? So if you're paying attention tonight, I want to jump right in. That the story really illustrates the story of humanity. It's our story. It's all of our stories. Right? All of us want to be happy. And, and what this story illustrates is, is the two major ways that we go about trying to achieve happiness. The younger brother is, believes that the way to happiness is self-discovery. I need to get out there. I need to explore. I need to find out for myself. I need to do some things. I need to go all out. And so I want to do that now. The, younger, the older brother is, is, is the other way of happiness that people believe that if I just morally conform, then I'll be happy. This is the two tales of humanity. For most part, this is how people usually approach life. Right? It's either self-discovery or self-righteousness. The problem is it's both self. Are you following? It's self-discovery or self-righteousness. And here Jesus is illustrating that, that both roots lead to dead-end streets. So the younger son. Asked for his father's inheritance while the father was still alive. You have to understand this. Basically, he's saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. 
Because the only time you're supposed to get your inheritance is after your parents pass away. So in a way, this is, you can't be more disrespectful than this. That you go to your father, you say, give me my inheritance now. In other words, I wish you would die anyways, so I can just do my thing. Right? And this father doesn't give you the typical answer. Like, this father's not Cape Verde. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, you tell your dad, give me my inheritance now. If you're Cape Verde, the words you're going to hear is, Translation, you must be outside of your mind. That's what a Cape father would say. Not just with words. If you, if you catch my drift. It, it would be said with words and other things. Right? But this father, Jesus is trying to illustrate. Because even in the Middle Eastern days, this would be the most disrespectful thing you will ever do. Like Jesus is making a strong point here. A strong statement that this father does not respond the way a typical father would. He complies to this son's request. This father is not your typical father. See, I hope you're catching what we're trying to say here. What Jesus was trying to illustrate here is that, is that God does not think the way we think. God, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Right? And if you think, you know, listen, God knows, catch this, right? God knows that every good thing that you have comes from him, but he won't force you to stay with him. The father knows this is mine. I can give it to you or not. This is mine. I'm not dead yet. I'm choosing to give you this. I'm making a point. The point is I won't force you to stay with me. That's a choice you will have to make on your own. This is the gift of free will, people. We must choose God. God won't force his way on us. This is why I tell you every week, don't force people into this thing. It has to be a free, willing desire for them to want to know. Why? Because if not, they'll throw it back in your face. And they'll blame God in the process. So God's making a point. Oh, you want to go? Go. Even though you wish me dead, I wish you all the best. Now that's grace, people. This is what we call this reckless love. It makes absolutely no sense for this father to respond this way to the most disrespectful thing you can do. The most disrespectful way to live your life is to disrespect the free will that God gave you. People do it all every day. Every day, right? And I love this quote by C.S. Lewis about free will. He said something really powerful about free will in his book, The Great Divorce. He said this. He said, listen, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All there are in hell, choose it. Without self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, it is open. That's the power of free will. Free will says, God, thy will be done. Or free will says, God says to you, well, your will be done. Are you tracking? The father's response is ridiculous. The younger son takes his inheritance and leaves for self-discovery. And the brother gives you some clues. The self-discovery included prostitution, wild party, wild living, you know, just Hanging out, you know, turn it up. And then one day it all runs out because it always does. And he comes 
to his senses. What a great word. Comes to his senses. That's one of the most powerful things that you will ever read in the Bible when someone comes to his senses. When you just, it hits home like, what am I doing with myself? What am I doing here? Do you ever, can we have an honest moment for a second? Did you have that moment? Did you ever had that moment? Like, were you like in a place that you shouldn't be? And you're like, what am I doing here? When you're in a relationship you shouldn't be, what am I doing here? When you made a decision you know you shouldn't have made, what am I doing here? When you went to that corner that you shouldn't, like what? You ever been to a club and put everything on pause and ask yourself, what am I doing here? Y'all ain't going to tell me the truth in this church. Have you ever had an honest moment with yourself? Well, you didn't blame anybody for anything that's going on with your life. And you just looked at yourself and said, what in the world? How did we get here? How did we get here? He decides, I got to go back home. I got to go back home. What in the world? And what's interesting is, again, I get to him more next week because I really want to talk about the father today. But he, he says, I'm going to go home and work my butt off and pay off what I squandered. What's interesting, the father's response, once again, is ridiculous. The guy gets home. The typical dad would have said, what? Not in this house. You made your bed? You better lie in it. The father embraces him from far. Like, the father runs to him. Another thing that would baffle Jesus' audience. Because back in those days, and, and, and in your culture too, patriarchs don't run. You come to them. You, they don't go to you. Where's your father? You, tell, you need something. You got to come to me. This father runs. Again, not your typical response that you would get because he's not a typical father. This is God that Jesus is illustrating. He's illustrating who God is and the reckless love that he has for those who would come after him. He runs. And he says, put on the finest robe. Get him a ring. Let's throw a party. Again, the culture, this is it. What he's saying is, you're not going to come and try to work your way back to me. I'm giving you full rights as a son again. That's what the robe and the ring represented. It represented sonship, not slavery. Not I don't know you. My friends, if you're taking notes, this is the definition of grace. You don't earn it. And you certainly don't deserve it. It's God's gift to everyone. This is grace on display. This is like actual grace, not Facebook grace. You know, you can quote something cute, but you got to live it out. This is God living out what he said what grace would look like. This is God getting slapped in the face and turning the other cheek. This is God actually saying, yeah, you disrespected me, but I'm still going to love you through your disrespect. This is grace, people. This is not religion. And he says, let's throw a party, which is a great illustration of salvation. It's meant to be a 
party. The Bible ends with a party. Go read it for yourself. He says, one day we're going to all turn up because we're all going to be in God's house. So Jesus is really illustrating the, basically the life of humanity. That we all have gone astray. All of us have did our own thing. All of us needs to come to our senses. And when we do, God is ready to embrace us with his grace. And then we skip to scene two. We find the older brother. Where did we find him? He's working in the field. Very important that you catch this. He's working, which represents happiness through moral conformity. There's happiness through self-discovery, and then there's happiness through, I'm going to do all the right things and make sure that my life is going to be okay. Are you tracking? Because we're either one or the other. He heard music, he heard dancing, and his response is fascinating. He got angry, hungry, angry. It wouldn't go inside. My friends, this is the epitome of self Righteousness. I won't celebrate because I was home the whole time. He doesn't deserve it. I do. How do I deserve it? Because I've been working my butt off this whole time. He sees himself more like a slave than he is a son. Because he believes, this is so critical, I hope you catch this. He believed that he is working to earn his place. You know what this gospel is? This is the gospel that people say, God helps those who helps themselves. You ever heard that? Problem is, it's not in the Bible. Because I don't know if you caught it. Both of them missed the point. It was all the father's. That's where we miss the point. This one thinks I need to go self-discover. This one's like, I'm working for it. The father's like, yep, it's all mine. We're missing the point here. Right? Religion says you got to work yourself to be good. The world says you got to party yourself to find yourself. Now we're caught in these two extremes of life. Self-discovery says you're too religious. Religion says... You're too wild. Meanwhile, there's a father in the middle going, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. God helps those who help themselves is not the gospel. The gospel is while we were still sinners, Christ sent his son to die for our sins. Now, did you catch the father comes out to both of them? He runs to the young and he begs the older to come in and celebrate his brother. He's not taking sides. He's trying to reunite them and make a family called the church. That there's room for younger brothers, but also there's room for older brothers. Father initiates contact with both and he calls them dear son. He's making a point. Everything I have is yours. Like, why do you think you have to earn this thing? You don't have to earn it. Matter of fact, you can't earn it. It's mine. It's all mine. You don't have to try to pretend that you're working for it. Because <laughs> it's mine. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The Bible says. 
every good gift comes from him. So when we're thinking, I got myself here, what in the world? Why did he tell you to take a week to rest? He says, take a week to rest to remember where your blessings come from. You didn't make yourself. If I didn't bless you, you wouldn't be blessed. If I didn't open doors, you wouldn't have the doors. If I, I gave it all to you. Where do we get the idea that we've got ourselves here? The very breath that you breathe, breathe is a gift. If he shuts it down, it's over. You know the word breath means pneuma? You know the word pneuma means spirit? Like the spirit of God is what makes you breathe every day. Just that ought to make you grateful. The problem is this. They were both selfish. They were both selfish. Neither one of them could see the gift given to them. So this guy now he feels entitled. Like I worked myself here. And this guy feels like I'm not worthy. It's both pride. Pride feels inferior and pride feels superior. It's both pride. Right? Pride says, oh, I can never do it. I will never be able to. Let me pay you for that. Pride cannot receive a gift. And pride over here is like, I'm good. You can't give me anything. It's both pride. It's inferiority and superiority. It's the plight of humanity. Are you following? So what do we learn from this father? He's trying to make a point. Jesus is trying to make a point about God. He's trying to make a point about God in this story. What do we learn? Watch this. We learned this. Let me summarize it. He is not afraid to show his emotions to both sons. Most of us grew up in homes that there's no emotions. And you can't blame your parents for no emotions. You know why? Because they never saw it. But where, at what point are we going to break this pattern? Someone has to break it. What do we people usually say? Well, I, just so I was raised. You could be raised wrong. It's possible that you were raised wrong. Right? His love and forgiveness can pardon and restore any sin. He doesn't put a limit on it. He doesn't put a cap on it. He doesn't say, oh, you can only go this far no more. He's making a strong point. You disrespected me, I'm still welcoming you back. His reckless love is free and undeserved. You didn't deserve this. It's all mine. It's all mine. So in other words, there's hope for the young and reckless. And there's also hope for the older and colder. That's the beauty of this thing. I guarantee you tonight, if we were to be honest, one of us is younger brothers, one of us is older brothers. There's no neutrality here. You know, it's funny thing, we were like, I'm not religious. Well, are you a human being? Which way do you live? Self-discovery or self-righteousness? You're doing one or the other. Every day. Isn't it funny? Those who say I'm not religious, they're like, yeah, but I live by these principles. Well, you created your self-righteousness. You created your list. This is how I'm going to live. And those who are not... Non-religious will tell you, oh, you guys are too uptight and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, you created self-discovery. Here you go. We both have our lists. Either way. And both lists fall short. That's the beauty of this thing. And what's crazy is that the story just ends. Jesus doesn't make mistakes, people. The reason why the story just ends with no resolution is you got to go back to the original audience. Remember who he was talking to. 
On one side, he has these younger brothers. On the other side, he had these older brothers. Remember? The Pharisees were on one side. The notorious sinners on the other side. Why does Jesus end the story? He's making a point. The point is this. How will you respond? How will you respond to this? Because this is not a speech. This is a way of life. He's making a point. Younger brothers, how are you going to respond to this? Your, your older brothers, how are you going to respond to this thing? The ball is in their court. Just like the ball is in your court when it comes to the grace of God. Three stories, people. Three stories. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and two lost brothers. You know you could be home and be lost. It's harder to, point, to pinpoint someone who's lost at home. Because, you know, when you're lost away, it's easy. You're away. But it's hard when you're inside and you're lost. There's people inside the church who are lost. Because they haven't fully understood why they're there in the first place. But watch this, right? This is so interesting. I hope you catch this. All three stories, right? Something is lost and someone is looking for it. The shepherd goes after the lost sheep. The woman sweeps the house to find the lost coin. But the third story, nobody went after the younger son. You got to ask yourself the question, why? How come no one went after the younger son? Even that is a point Jesus is making. See, if you understand that culture, that would have been the older brother's responsibility to find the younger son. But he was too self-righteous to pursue someone who was lost and broken. We could be so religious that we're good for absolutely nothing. You ever meet people like that? They know all the Bible verses, but they've never helped anyone. They'll tell you all the reasons why your theology is wrong. But they never actually became theology. You could be in the house and be lost because you don't have the heart of God. Typically, the older brother's responsibility was for the younger brother, which is all our culture, isn't it? Isn't that how we were raised? If you're older, you look out for the younger. Weren't we raised that way? Whether you're raised in a church or not, you were raised in a house where they're like, if you have siblings, you take care of each other. But Jesus is tagging Jesus, he's tagging the Bible. He's trying to make a point. And he, they knew the Bible. He was making a point. He said, remember, this is a remembered moment. Remember, there was two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. Cain's self-righteousness killed Abel. And when God says, what would you do? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Jesus was tying the Bible together here. To say, you're supposed to be the older brother looking out for the younger brother. But you never went out because you were too self-righteous to see that your brother needed help. And you never went after him. But I got good news for you today. His point is this. The reason why he ends it the way he does, he's making a point. But I'm here. And I'm the older brother that you're looking for. That's the point he's making, church. He's the older brother. What did Jesus do? He left heaven to earth to show us the way. 
He left his home and came down to the muck and mire to say, I'm the older brother that won't leave you behind. I came after you. What did he do? He said, yes, I have privileges, but I'm going to put them on hold for now because you're far away from me. I need to come and find you where you are because that's what grace will do. Grace will come after you and find you exactly where you are. He came to pay the price. Understand, there was a price paid. If you understand economy, the, the younger brother is angry because he knows now there's only half of the state left. So he's not mad just because he came home. He's mad because he knows this is going to affect my pockets. Why should I help you when this is going to hurt me financially? And Jesus is making a point. He says, I became poor so you may become rich. Like I gave myself away. I gave my inheritance away for you to be able to come and find what I'm trying to give you. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about spiritually. We all bankrupt and Jesus came to restore our inheritance. You see, understand this tonight because I know the deep down question is, yeah, but that's too easy. You, you didn't catch the point of the story. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. Come on. That's where more people miss it. Grace is free, absolutely free to you, but it costs Jesus' his life to give you this freedom. So it's cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap. You know what cheap grace looks like? When people's like, I'm going to do whatever I want because I know God will forgive me. That's not grace. You didn't get it. It was a big price paid for that. See, understand this tonight. People whose life remained unchanged by grace did not fully understand the cost. If you hear the story of Jesus and you remain the same, you didn't really understand the story. You didn't get it, that he paid a high price for you to have the story. See, universal love comes with a price. The blood in the body that was broken on the cross, that's the price so that you may have salvation. I hope you catch this tonight. Sin is serious business. And Jesus' blood is the only currency that can pay for it. I want to end with this quote tonight from Pastor Tim Keller who wrote an amazing book about the story called The Prodigal God. Because he's like, we read the story wrong. It's not about the prodigal son. God is the prodigal one. He's the reckless one. Keller said this. It's so powerful. He said, if we say I believe in Jesus but it doesn't affect the way we live, the answer is not that we need to add hard work to our faith so much as that we haven't truly understood or believe in Jesus at all. Let that sink in for a second. We say, I believe in Jesus. But do you really? Because your life shows if you believe in Jesus. The way you live after you accept Jesus has to change. If you're an older brother, self-discovery has to give way to the will of God. If you're an older brother, well, self-righteousness has to give way to the ways of God. If, you haven't, if, if he hasn't touched your heart to bring change to you, you didn't understand grace. You, maybe you got religion, but you didn't get the heart of the gospel. The gospel shifts your heart. Why? Because when you're a younger brother and you knew how you squander everything and he still loves you, right, man, right. that changes you more than someone telling you you're going to hell. Right, right, right. That will change you more. So tonight you got to ask yourself a question. 
Which brother am I? Are you a younger brother who needs to come home? Or are you an older brother who feels entitled to be home? You're both wrong when it comes to the gospel. There's no neutral sides here. You're either embracing the grace of God or you're rejecting the grace of God. That's totally up to each and every one of us. But we both need the reckless love of the Father. That's the gospel. The rest is just religion and stuff we made up on our own to make us feel whatever we feel. People say, I don't need to go to church. Yeah, you don't. Why should you? I don't need to go home to have a family. I choose to go home to be a father and to be a, to be a, 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 a husband. I choose to be. There's a difference. don't have to be. I choose to be. There's a major difference there. Right? So when people say that stuff, it's like, yeah, but that's because your heart hasn't been transformed. To actually understand why you go home. Right? When people say, I don't have to go to church. He said, you don't. But where's home? Where's home? Where's home? Where do you get the reckless love of the Father? Where do you actually put down your pride? Whether it's inferiority or superiority. Where do you drop off that stuff to say, man, I'm just another son or daughter that needs to be embraced by the grace of Jesus Christ. You understand that that's the gospel? It's so hard to understand. You know why? Because we put so much in front of it. We all think we're good. We all think we're bad. We all think all this stuff. And God's like, I'm just trying to bring us together. I'm just trying to rescue every one of us. Some people have been in church for years. Are the older brothers never actually tasted grace. Everything is hard and harsh. Can't dance. When the music plays, you can't dance. Why? I got to keep it together. In the meantime, there's older, younger brothers who just want to go home, and sometimes we make it hard for them to go home. Because we tell them, you, you, haven't, you haven't got there yet. In the meantime, God is just looking out the porch, saying, who's coming home today? Who's coming home today? That's the grace. That's the grace. Everything else is religion. When someone says to you, I'm a follower of Jesus, what does that mean? I've been baptized. I did first communion. I was an altar boy. I was a good guy. Missed the gospel completely. That's, I did this stuff. Self-righteousness. Look at my list. Look at everything I did. We might be missing the gospel inside the house. I think that's way more challenging than to be outside trying to come in. But when you're inside, you already think you're in. The father says, it's all yours. But listen, let go with this tight grip. Stop trying to fight with people that you're right and they're wrong. It's self-righteousness. It's puffing up my chest. We should listen to ourselves talk. But our chest is full with the air that he breathes. Into us. And one day he'll take it away. Younger brothers, come home. Older brothers, understand why you're home. Understand why you're home. Says a father who loves all of us. Would you stand with me as we pray today?
Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.